Hallelujah. God, thank you so much for the joy of living in your presence. It is good to be with you always. And we pray that the words we say uh, in this talk today would encourage some. We pray that you would make them useful to your people. And God, we pray that you would guide our thoughts. Thank you so much for living in us, Lord, dwelling with us and inviting us into this fellowship. Pray that uh, everything we say would be from you and that you would make us hilarious as well. Amen. Welcome back to Tesserai. I'm Steve. And I'm not Bob. I'm, I'm the other Steve. And we are thrilled to have you join the conversation as we explore the integrated Christian walk in light of the ways it has been dismantled. Today, we're talking about all things wellness. It isn't just an industry complete with seminars and websites and blog posts and motivational quotes and gym memberships and books and podcasts. It's becoming a way of life and a national conversation. Our question is, how should Christians think about and be about the pursuit of wellness in their lives, even in light of the gospel and those calls to suffering as Christ has suffered? We want to explore that today, not only because it's important for us personally and collectively, uh, but also because it's a podcast and we got to talk about something. Bob is out of town, but conversations by myself aren't quite as fun as I thought they'd be, so I decided to grab one of my closest friends and greatest nemesis, Steve Durgan, to co-host with me. Before we jump into wellness, give me a little bit of background, Steve, like who are you? What gives you the right to have the name Steve? That's sacred. Um, and, and then we'll jump in. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Steve. So my name's Steve Durgan. Uh, I would, uh, I, I did not realize I was a nemesis, but You're I accept, I accept. So, um, what gives me the right to have the name Steve? I don't have that right. My parents gave me the name I have and I have to accept it. And we'll get into that when it comes to wellness, because you just got to accept a lot of things <laughs> about our limitations and what we're given. Um, but a little bit about me, I am, it's impossible to understand me apart from a few key things. One is uh, my love of people and being with people all the time. Um, uh, my love for creativity, whether that's writing, speaking, uh, creating sermons, uh, making songs. And then uh, I would also say uh, I'm a seminarian. So a disproportionate <laughs> chunk of my life has been spent <laughs> in seminary or uh, Christian higher ed. And uh, Steve, you've topped that now, man. You're just like, I can't, I can't leave. <laughs> so <laughs> I can leave. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could, you could, if you wanted to, but you don't. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think those are some of the main things that have really shaped me. Um, I am married to Olivia and, uh, we have been married for about seven years and, uh, it's, uh, it's a cross-cultural marriage and that's significantly changed my life and my outlook on things and how I understand myself and my faith. And she's a huge influence on me. Um, and yeah, I'm aspiring to be a church planter, uh, as well as just work bivocationally doing any number of other things. And my goodness, I've succeeded at doing any number of other things. I have not succeeded at the church plant part, so. <laughs> but it'll come. It'll come. I feel like I'm going to be like on the Jesus timeline where I start my ministry formally at age 30. So we'll see. <laughs> I'm almost there. I'm 29. So <laughs> good to be here. Thanks for joining, brother. Appreciate it. 
yes so we we do go back uh we go back to college with um with olivia who i think when we were ra's together that was the year that maybe you guys started dating it is so it's been a while yeah and then uh we were in grad school together in seminary together um and roommates during some of that time so yeah you felt like a, a great person to have as part of this conversation for multiple reasons but one of which being i think that uh conversation on rest that we that we probably will loop back into multiple times today but we had it with um my friend and colleague sarah root earlier this season and uh it was it was going to be her it was going to be you helping to speak into that and that comes from living with you but also like being in ministry being in life together with you for a long time i think you embody a lot of pieces about wellness and slowing down and rest really well even in seasons when you haven't been able to explore that as much, you know? Mm. Um, and so, and I think that's a, a big part, um, a big part of it is how do you rest? How do you pursue wellness when you're not actually experiencing it right then? You know, that's so. like the most important time, right? Like, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. You need a survival kit sometimes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So let's start off personally and then, uh, we'll kind of branch out to, I guess what we see societally and things like that. But tell me about, um, cause I've definitely seen both of us have grown a lot since we first met years ago. Um, but our stories are also very different. I think Trinity, you was also very different than, than a lot of how you grew up in some ways. Um, yes. you know, based on like when you came to the Lord and stuff. So tell me about some old habits that contributed mm. to your lack of wellness in the past. Um, you can go <laughs> back, back to college if you want, or you can go earlier than that. But what were some pieces that you're like? these this was not helping the situation sure i mean that's easy so the assumption that i can (laughs) eat whatever i want in any amount without consequence (laughs) uh you know a lot of a lot of young people have this obviously you know until they're like oh wow my my body is changing you know my metabolism slowing down that could happen early for some for me it still hasn't quite happened i'm i've got the genetic lottery here (laughs) but um but like food started impacting me in other ways than like weight, for example. Um, and I started realizing, uh, even in the beginning of grad school, that the amount of added sugar that was in my diet was impacting my mood uh, and my ability to focus on schoolwork and get through some low energy points in the day. And it just got a little bit more sensitive over time. I was like, oh, I can't, I can't just do whatever I like with this body. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of, it was kind of sad to say that that was a newsflash, but wave after wave, I was like, I guess I have to adjust. And, um, and frankly, my situation's not nearly as bad or difficult as so many others. As far as health is concerned, I'm very, I'm in very good health, thankfully. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that I've, I've definitely carried that mentality, um, and had to shed it layer by layer and realize that this is a stewardship thing. My body's Mm -hmm. a temple. So I think that's one thing, uh, what I put into my body. I think exercise kind of went hand in hand with that. I only approached exercise generally from a standpoint of vanity until, uh, until I like joined cross country and was running because of the team was running, you know, I was like socially right. motivated and we had, we had goals in that. Um, and so that's shifted over time as I grow in the Lord. Uh, and then, uh, I actually, I'll throw you under the bus, Steve. I know you're going to talk about your bad habits, but I remembered this, this morning thinking about talking with you today. Uh, uh I was like, we didn't, yeah, this. we didn't, yeah, we didn't, what's he going to say? Oh no, say? get ready to cut this out. Um, 
but I remember distinctly sitting down. I think it was your first year at Trinity undergrad. I sat down at a table. You were at the opposite end of the table uh, with some friends just talking, and you were riffing on something, and you just dropped this line, like no nuance November style. And it was something to the effect of, and I'm going to paraphrase, yeah, I mean, if you're working out, you know, like your chest and your arms, and you're not specifically like a competitive athlete, it's pure vanity. Like, there's no other reason to be doing that. And then all the people around you were just like, mm, mm-hmm. And they just nodded, like, checks out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't and remember I, that. And I heard you say this, and I was just like, huh, I never thought about that. And then I just kept eating. <laughs> I, don't think I, I don't think I had anything to say about it. So, you know, we've come a long way. <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. It might be slightly, you said no nuance November. I like that. <laughs> I feel like I probably would nuance that a little bit now. <laughs> yeah, which, a little bit, a little bit. Which is part of the wellness journey, you know? You yeah, say things you know? and you're like, wow, okay. That's like I use, That's a good point too, as, a, as an aside. I used <laughs> to live in hyperbole. Like that was like my, like <laughs> I, I paid, I paid high rent to live in hyperbole apartments. <laughs> And uh, look down on everybody from the top floor. <laughs> oh, those ones downtown? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> those hyperbole apartments? <laughs> it was a good spot, you know? There were some perks, but eventually I had to come out of there. So, um, it gets expensive, man. It, gets it does. Expensive. It does. It catches up with you. Eventually, you need to make better investments. <laughs> but um, those are some examples of some, some bad approaches to wellness. I'd say I generally neglected my emotions. That's really important. Mm-hmm. I yeah. thought this is something to stuff down, avoid, and then we'll get into this a little bit, hopefully. But I realized over time that I'm pretty detached when it comes to just like expectations of people. And that was something mm-hmm. that served me in a lot of ways because it was a self-protective thing to not really expect much, to depend on others. And so people always saw me as like this smiling dude, full of joy. And some a lot of that was true. Like, let me, let me just say that. Like, it wasn't all a farce or something. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I realized like, man, I have this deep pattern of, of just kind of like open handedness to a fault hmm. and it, it, like it's, I can't get hurt very easily, but at the same hmm. time, I also can't depend on people the way I think people should. So I'm trying to develop that. So those are some things that come to mind. Oh, yeah, that's good. Uh, okay. So I can segue that a little bit into, um, wellness for me, but one of the pieces you, you oh, so unpack the expectations for me just a little bit more. So I make sure I understand you. So people's expectations of you, right? Uh, my expectations of them. Okay. Yeah. I see. Okay. Like leaning, yep. leaning on people, you know, like it's yeah. just not something that I did at an emotionally vulnerable level. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. something I need to build. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So <clears throat> by the time I transferred into Trinity, that was, I think your sophomore year. Um, by then you were, you were getting called pastor Steve. <laughs> and and it's That's not true. hard. Let, let me let me note this. It's not particularly difficult on a Christian uh, campus to to be thought of well if you like have this sort of pastoral heart. If you're if you're kind. If you are probably if you're maybe even if you're like Bib studies or Christian ministries kind of major. It helps. Um, you're associated with the Bible. I wasn't, but you were. You know. Um, but I think both of us had like positive he's a christian reputations on campus sure. and that was easier for sure as males um uh yep. growing up during that time so <clears throat> but i was very acquainted with expectations growing up so that's why i was asking like external expectations of me 
whether that come from the church, um, being a pastor's kid, which I think I've talked a little bit about here on this, this podcast before, but you and I have definitely talked about. Um, and even to college, trying to live up to people's understandings of you. Sometimes those understandings of you were uh, a caricature and incomplete. Other times they felt really sincere and um, and even affirming. They just weren't you in totality. And so I think those impacted my wellness. But before I like, you know, go into mine, I'm just wondering that that wasn't as much for you. Was it like even like in Connecticut before before coming to Trinity? Was that was that there as much? Not as much because I, I became a Christian like only a year before I left my hometown, basically mm-hmm. year, a year right. and a half and then came to Trinity. So a lot of my like, Christian formation, I guess we'd say, happened college and after. And, um, and so I didn't feel that the specific dimension of like churches looking to me to do anything special per se, but I would say that that as much as you could pack it into a year and a half, I had some people say some things that were a little ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) like, uh, I had one mentor figure who like pulled me aside and was like, you're going to be the next like great mega church pastor. And I was just like, Oh, okay. Like I had no context for any of this. I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like, you seem excited about this. So I appreciate that. You know, <laughs> like, but like now I'm like, that is not a compliment at all. That's, no. I don't, I don't feel good about that. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah. but there were some things that people said that, that created a sense of a mantle that I, you know, like I, I have this thing that I'm carrying. I don't exactly know what it is, but I really need to, to live up to it and be worthy. I had some of that coming in, um, but I would say it was less specific uh, and there was less time for that to develop than if I had grown up as a PK or something like this. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. Thanks for unpacking that a little bit. So <clears throat> for me, I think, yeah, wellness was tied to expectations big time. Um, what what you are, and mostly mostly from a Christian perspective, which is it's almost which is more dangerous because it's like now. Now you're left wondering, hath God said? Yeah. Did God say this? God because said this you need to be this. amazing. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and you're, you know, kind of placed in this. So you need to, people have invested in you too. I should note that too. Expectations come from a place of having been invested in mm-hmm. and then people wanting to see a return on that, you know? So um, I think I think that's, that's some of it too. So uh, that was a part of wellness. I just hadn't sorted through that. I just was trying to be, uh, what I thought I should be and what other people thought I should be. And I felt like they often, they often were the same, you know? And so years of developing for sure has left me at peace, still like tied in some ways to some of those expectations. But I think the pursuit of wellness for me has been when necessary, needing to shed some of those things. Yes. Um, Sometimes they are in conflict. Externally. Right. And, um, and that has, that has helped a lot. Every now and then it still has me looking back, like, do I need to pick that back up? You know, Mm. Um, but other times I think it's just there's more freedom, more room, more room to be well. And then there's new challenges that fill those spaces for sure. You try to sift through what's expected of you. Sometimes I think I thought things were expected of me that nobody actually explicitly told me. So as much as we definitely do communicate as humans implicitly, there's some responsibility I have had to take for those things because I'm like, nobody told me that. Like (laughs) I, I took that on, I might have filled it out or might have filled it that felt that that was what people wanted me to do or be. But some of it is like you, if you don't want to do it, then you got to not do it or or whatever. Yeah. I mean, sometimes stuff gets implied, you know, and sometimes we just 
put the pieces together wrong. But either which way you carry that story and you're like, why am I why am I trying to why am I trying to hit these targets? Who gave me these? I don't know. And outside of expectations, uh, which is so that's been a big piece. But uh, you mentioned food, food and image, food and weight loss. That was big. You know, that's way bigger for me um, than it was for you. Um, no pun intended. Just because I was like, <laughs> <Come> <laughs> I was I was doing like, you know, diets and trying to lose weight probably from like 12 or 13 onwards. Um, so not being happy with kind of how I looked and how I felt. Um, yes. You know, that was, that was, that has been, that is a big journey. <clears throat> That's early. And then yeah. I, right. And then before I ended up transferring into the school that we went to together, but before then I started freshman year of college at another place. And that was where I like, you know, I lost a ton of weight and I didn't probably do it in the, in the most healthy way. I was super active all of a sudden. I was moving all the time and I was working out a lot and I was, um, uh, I think I was just eating less. So I was losing weight. And then with that came like, well, you got to get some clothes that fit. Also, let's get with the times and get some clothes that you actually like. So this was part of image. I don't know if the wellness meter was going up, but definitely the feel good meter was going up. Mm -hmm. You know, So that, that was significant. So by the time that our stories met up, I was, you know, I was doing P90X and insanity and different like weight loss, uh, you know, like regiments and stuff and doing stuff. And I can... I think part of that conversation we were making fun of like, uh, you know, people who skip leg day, it's still yeah. a thing, but it was definitely when we were in college and you're like, if you're skipping leg day, like this, because, um, you know, you're focusing on these pieces that, that get all the attention, your biceps, get the attention, your tries, your chest, your back, all these kinds of things. So yeah. It's a cultural thing. Yeah. Right. I don't think. I, I think whole body workouts are better overall, you know, so that's what I have tried, tried to pursue, um, um, making you actually stronger and, and, and things like that. But uh, I wouldn't, as I did college me apparently did, I probably wouldn't vastly condemn anytime somebody wants to work out in a, a specific group. <laughs> yeah. But that's funny. Cause that's part of wellness too. It's like, it's just, I'm more comfortable in nuance and just like some of the things I said, yeah, I would love to go back in time sometimes. Yeah, part part of, of my own head. <laughs> part of wellness is letting go of that false sense of control over the world. Yeah. Like I know yeah. everything, you know. This is yeah. the yeah. this is that. This is the mm -hmm. way. <laughs> so true. So, um, okay, so that's that's really helpful. And now I think I am in a, a a better space. What I eat is really connected to uh how I feel, and you know I, I haven't felt great recently. And so that was, that was a hard, that was a tough thing and being like, this is not even as much connected to how I look or how I feel, you know, feel outwardly. It's internally, I'm not feeling great. You mm. know? Um, and so being willing to like be proactive about making changes feels like a pursuit of wellness that I think anybody should have, you know, and that wasn't a conversation growing up um, as a kid in the church, at least in my church specifically, it wasn't like this, you know, sometimes we would do like, you know probably different programs that would maybe be about something with exercise, but like with your eyes so much on the eternal, we weren't talking so much about like, okay, are we being good stewards of our bodies? You know, how many of us have high blood pressure here? Or how many of us are struggling with conditions that are, um, uh, I guess made, made worse or even more complex by, um, unhealthy habits. You right. Know? Yeah. Like you, I've been relatively healthy in my life. So that's something I can be really thankful for. So there's a degree of privilege that you and I both have, in yes. having this conversation. But, um, or I wouldn't even say but, and with that reality, 
uh, what you eat, when you eat it, kind of those things that you pursue just wasn't happening. So I didn't see that model. So what I'm trying to do now feels like it feels newish. New you know territory I mean? a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's good. <laughs> yes. I think that is a good thing, man. And um, I don't know. What, what would you say is the hardest as far as making that adjustment? Uh, with eating specifically? Yeah. Because I know food food is powerful, man. It's like you get used to food. It's hard to give up foods. Right. Hard oh, to replace foods. Some Especially cannot be replaced. <laughs> right. Especially when you've grown up, you've been like, okay, we've been we've been trying to replace the the taste of sugar or what sugar, like the gratification that sugar gives us um, for a long time with all these substitutes, some of which yeah. we find out that they're not as good, they're not good for you or they're whatever. Um, and I'm like, all this duplicating clearly means that sugar is good. Okay. Like <laughs> we're over here. We're not just trying to take it out. We're trying to replace it all the time. Same goes with like, um, you know, like these, uh, alternative meats and stuff, you know, we're like impossible meat or, or beyond meat. You're, yeah, uh, yeah. you're trying to convince you that this is meat as opposed to just being something completely different, you know? Yes. Um, yes. so I think the hardest thing has been like trying to figure out whether I just want to duplicate or try to duplicate what I've enjoyed before, or whether I just want to like enjoy food differently than I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I think about food, maybe more holistically, it's something that's supposed to nourish you, something that you should enjoy, um, and something that you're not going to regret eating because you're not going to feel horrible later, yes. then then I'm going to go with what I'm going with now, which, as you know, is a temporary vegan stint. Um, it's not it's not long term, but it's it was done just because I wanted to feel better, like digestively, you know? Yeah. So to try that was like, whoo, man, this meat just thinking about meat and also how convenient it is to throw it into a meal. Like that's your protein. That's your main course of your, that's the main part of your meal. You know, yes, that, that, that took, that has taken a big change. Yes. Yeah. We've built our lives around meat in America. (laughs) It's a, it's a big deal. And you've always had a bigger appetite than me too. And that was another thing was like, you were staying razor thin. I'm actually bitter about that. Yeah. You were like staying razor thin. And I'm like, I can't eat that. I need to count these calories. And you're like, what calories? (laughs) Well, so. yes, I probably said what calories. That's probably a direct <laughs> quote. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, okay. So that, those are, and there are other pieces for sure, but those are some some basics when it has come to wellness, just even how we feel, what we eat, things we, things we take in, those kinds of stuff. I think a conversation on wellness kind of centers around self-care mm. as well, right? So you're trying to focus on... <clears throat> What is good for you? And those are questions that have not always been explored. I don't think many people had the option to explore. Right. Um, I told the stories on on uh, on Tesseride before about uh, people who went through really hard things years and years ago, and they didn't have the option to just you know like uh, I want to process this. I want to slow down. I want to stop. It was like I need to eat. And it was much more normal to just like persevere and go through. So I think perseverance became a value. Mm. Um, But now we're in this place where we're needing to talk through things. Self-care includes counseling, includes um, just opening up the hood on your own feelings. Yeah, don't do that. And engaging better. (laughs) And engaging better. (laughs) So I want you to tell me a little bit about your thoughts on self-care. I know you have some. What you've maybe found for yourself, make it as personal as you want, but also where you feel like the self-care industry is right now. Ooh, okay. 
Okay. I'll take both if I can. Uh, right. I'll try to be concise. I mean, I, I made a post a while ago, um, and I, I think it was something to this effect that self-care isn't some flimsy thing uh, about spoiling yourself. I think that can, you know, we can take it in that direction and people do, right? So I'm mm-hmm. not naive about that. But as a Christian, when I think about self-care, I think it's roughly synonymous with self-love, right? And Jesus makes very clear that's that's actually the raw virtue on which neighbor love depends, right? That's where the power comes from. It's it's the principle of loving yourself and then loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And so there's this idea that you need to pay attention to your life, um, the, the timing of things, the stewardship of things, and to tend to yourself. And to do that requires humility, to acknowledge your limits. It uh, requires the wisdom of being aware of things. And it also requires, to some extent, a desire to do the best things, not just whatever, not just good things, but your desire to do the best things for as long as life permits it. That is something that pushes us to self-care. Um, because the alternative to self-care is really just a kind of living death, right? Like it's just, we're, we're, we have this presumption that we can focus on anything else uh, besides ourselves and we'll just be fine, you know? Which is a lazy belief that we're good for the world even when we fail to be good for <laughs> ourselves, you know? Like I'm just gonna roll out of bed and be good for people and good for the church and I'm gonna bring my best self to the table today regardless of what I had for breakfast. Like this, that's not how it works. It's never worked that way. But, but this is part of our our cultural inheritance, right? Is we carry with us a lot of good things, but also some bad ideas. And one of them is essentially trying to neglect the body for neglect's sake, um, and and just think that matter, like all matter, material things are just bad, which is Gnosticism. Like we know that that's actually like a condemned heresy. But you know, in some ways, it stays with us. Uh, you know, we might say something different. We will come out and say matter is evil, but most people will say something like, uh, you know, well, this body is just temporary, so I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A. It's like, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, I'm going to get a new body soon. So what's the point? You know, or this is why so many Christians in America in particular seem to not care about the the planet at all. Like, you know, we're going to get a new one. Well, yeah, but you're a steward, like you were put in the garden to tend and keep it. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, so I want to keep my lamp burning. I want to get the house in order as much as possible. That applies to my body and to the land and, uh, and try to be a good, a good image bearer, you know? Yeah. So those are some thoughts on the self-care thing, the first side of it. But I think the industry, man, there's a dark side, right? Just like anything, people are in there trying to just make money <laughs> with clickbait articles about, uh, fix your body in three days. Okay. Yep. Like, like, why, why I, doesn't just do that? <laughs> yeah. Well, why didn't you say so? <laughs> and so there's a lot of how to stuff, DIY stuff in this self care, self development zone that we should meet with a degree of suspicion, if not ignore entirely and throw into a fire. Um, but, uh, there's also, I would say a, a lot of good happening as people pay attention to, to what works, uh, for their bodies, their specific life circumstances, uh, paying attention to their emotions and so on. We're learning a lot. And I think it's helping us recover other aspects of our inheritance, if you will. It occurs to me that being in ministry, being in care uh, a lot, you see some of the most empathetic people on the planet Mm. and you see them ready to step in and 
help someone be physically, mentally, spiritually well at with reckless abandon, you know? Yes. And so one of the lessons is like, you can't pour from, from, an, you know, uh, um, an empty well. And so yeah. where are you being replenished um, in order to be able to pour into in the moment? It is nearly impossible. I'm just going to say this. it is nearly impossible to tell that super empathetic, super caring person, super attentive person to like slow down and what slow down looks like. Because if I don't do this, this person will not be well, or this person is in danger. This person is maybe a danger to others or themselves or whatever. That is so hard to do, but so essential to like have yourself within the equation um, for uh, for that reason of not burning out, but also because so you remember that it can't just be you. Even if you are a counselor, I think counselors have to know their own boundaries. You know, that's one reason why they won't go around like hanging with their clients or they shouldn't um, outside of that time um, to avoid something like transference. They want to like be free from some of the things that they've heard for the last hour or whatever it is, right? So you have to have these limits, but in a semi-counseling stage and in, in, in a lot of ministry where there's probably less boundaries and you need you need boundaries to be sometimes a little fluid, but uh, man, does that, does that really, I think that really affects us because we're like, but it's all done in the name of nobility though. Like, yeah. oh, I stretch myself thin for the kingdom. But you're you're burning out, and you won't be working for the kingdom very long. Yeah, <laughs> your time <laughs> you <know>? is short. <laughs> yeah, your time is short. Yeah. No, I so totally agree, big. man. I, and it's, the thing is, like, it's not like it's not there in the Christian tradition or in the Bible that you can find seasons of exertion like this, right? But there are other things that are there too, like rest, sleeping, feasting, right? And so I think it's about figuring out the pattern of life that Jesus actually practiced and trying to imitate that. Uh, and there are moments where he's definitely strained and he's pouring himself out for people. And there are moments where he withdraws to solitude or where he spends time just with his closest friends, right? Yeah. Both yeah. and. This, there's some tension here because sometimes I wonder what the final goal is of, of wellness. Like, Live a good life. Do what you can do. Learn how to say no to things. Um, you want you to simultaneously take advantage of opportunities and stretch yourself and say yes, but also say no to things and give yourself limits and be kind to yourself. All of these, I think, are done in a blender and not explored as much as they probably should be. And mm -hmm. from a Christian perspective, I'm just wondering, like, yes, we are told in Philippians to be anxious for nothing or First Peter 5 talking about casting all of your cares on the one who cares for you. Um, <clears throat> so uh, we're called, and in an earlier episode when we talked about rest, we were, we're we know we're called, designed, expected to rest, even in the bustling West. Um, and, <laughs> like um, you know, so that, uh, that, that rhyme, that kind of hit, I'm not gonna lie. But <laughs> anyway, I think those things are clear, but also what's clear is that the Christian life is one of suffering is that the Christian life is one where we are sharing in the, just like we're sharing in the glory that will be. That, that, that will be with Christ. We also share in the sufferings and the hard things. And so there is a sect of Christianity that does that probably better than the other. And then the other does the opposite, right? Where you're like, we need to talk about this. We need to work this out. And the other's like, push through. All of this is going to burn. We need to move on, you know? <clears throat> and uh, that question of resiliency, I, I, I wish it wasn't such a dichotomy. I wish it wasn't like you either persevere or you process. I wish there was like, I feel like we can healthily learn about resiliency through um, through conversations and practices of how to take care of ourselves, you know, through having limits and boundaries, you, you learn sometimes that, yeah, those won't always be perfectly protected. 
but mm. but you still work towards that process. So that just strikes me is that I don't know. I don't think it's antithetical to the Christian life, but I, I do feel like it's tough to pull depending on how you look at what the Christian life is supposed to be, where it's not just supposed to be uh, amazing all the time and just feel great all the time. That's true. That's true. And so we probably see both extremes all the time. But man, I would I would just say to somebody who wants, you know, who's like focused on the suffering side of the equation, you know, I would want to ask them, do you think that you're supposed to suffer for suffering's sake or that it's good in itself? I kind of want to check that. Hmm. And then I think I'd want to ask if they if they think that they're supposed to seek it out, you know, like, well, we always talk about how suffering is used for our good and how God refines us in this fire and we count it all joy and maybe we even understand the surpassing worth of Jesus even more because we suffer. So why don't we all just make each other suffer as much as possible? You know, <laughs> like, Hey man, you love me. You want my be- best. You want good for me. Can you just inflict yeah. some pain on me right now? Like, <laughs> and we realize that, that, that there's sometimes we overstate things. Maybe it's one of those no nuance things. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it leads us, imp- it leaves us with this impression that maybe, um, Maybe we should be trying to seek out difficulty and add that to our lives, yeah. um, but I don't. I don't think that's true. I think that suffering is promised uh, in the form of persecution, and uh, and because of the the state of the world, like in this world, you will have trouble, is a promise from Jesus. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Uh, so I think suffering is promised in various ways, various forms, persecution among them. But I think in general. That's something that we expect to happen to us as a result of following Jesus and trying to do what he calls us to do. Mm-hmm. It's not something we have to generate or manufacture. Mm-hmm. And I think I think in general, uh, as we were getting at before, we're trying to just follow the pattern of Jesus' whole life, right? Mm-hmm. So fasting and feasting, you got to do both. You can't just fast. <laughs> you have to eat. Uh, and Jesus did both, uh, work and rest. Um Community and solitude, uh, silence and singing, like both are important to the communal life of Israel uh, and uh, later to the church, um, praise and prayer, service to others. So for us to pull any of these threads and uh, and leave the rest of the tapestry untouched is not a good idea. Yeah. Um, and so it all happens in the context of Jesus' own pattern of life. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I also think this is it's quite interesting because we're pulling from the the life of Jesus, a Middle Eastern man who was who was who was who was murdered for what he did. Yes. Right. And then and then taking our cue from disciples who were persecuted and maybe killed for what they believed, what they professed, what they uh, what they preached. <clears throat> and then we know many parts of the world where that is still a reality, where your beliefs will mm. result in your being killed. This is a podcast that is rooted in the right, right in the smack dab in the middle of the U.S., right? Um, well, I don't know if it's the middle geographically, but it's the Midwest, whatever it is. So anyway, we're in Chicago. So <clears throat> I think that's relevant because <laughs> persecution is a, eh, it's a bit relative term. <laughs> in our case, like what we would consider persecution, I think this narrative exists like, well, Christians are being persecuted. And I'm like, actually, more often than not, like persecutions happen in the US. But the persecutions that I resonate with are not really because of my beliefs. They're with like having uh like being an African American, 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I went to the lynching museum a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and it wasn't like these Christians uh, were, were lynched by a mob because they stood up for their faith. It was like, no, these were they were lynched by uh, churchgoers, um, yes. you know, maybe on a Sunday morning and yes. uh, and people who at least professed to have the same faith that I do. And so I think that's a, a question that that feels different, too, when we're talking about self-care we're talking these is a conversation that are largely individualized and mm-hmm. they should be to a degree because that allows you to care well for the collective but i think it also means it i think wellness should exist with the reality of being like a global citizen in a way too mm. because um you know because your well my wellness i feel like on some level is supposed to be tethered to the wellness of those around me um, yes and when you have those breakdowns i mean that's why the, that's why this podcast exists man um when the, when you have those breakdowns, you have mass inconsistencies that you and people will pay for for the longest of times, you know, mm. um, and we're seeing that definitely as this uh, reignited, I say reignited because it is it's not new, but a reignited conversation on race um, since um, since 2020. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Steve, did you want to say more about that? Unpacking the global citizenship concept, like how does that shape this for you? Yeah, I do want to say more, but you only have a few minutes left, man. So we're going to right, have, right. okay. <laughs> have to pull you in for part two. <laughs> I would definitely love to unpack that more. And since you have to go, I think we'll maybe uh, that'll be in part two. Okay. <laughs> As of okay. now, there will be a part two. So you will be rejoining us. Maybe <laughs> with Bob. If not, it'll be us two again. Um, but. I guess from you, as we get ready to close up, how would you look at that same thing as not being black, but we've had all these conversations and yes. you've had all this growth on race over the years. Um, yeah. My goodness. Yeah. I mean, we should definitely unpack this more in the next part since there will be one officially, but yeah, I think, I think we need to dig at um, everything from geolocation, right? Like place uh, where you're born, like your zip code is one of the most profound influences on your life. It's one of the most statistically determinative factors in your life. Uh, we need to talk about land and and the history of who takes land from who and capitalizes on that and insists on having and controlling who lives where. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so dealing with racial identity uh, is a huge part of this conversation in our context, especially. So you know, whether we can be well, what we have access to, whether we even feel we have the, the bandwidth or the permission or the resources to pursue that. Oh my goodness. That's, we need to talk about, yeah, <laughs> how race has impacted that. Um, but I would just say for now, amen. And, uh, man, I, yeah, I appreciate this conversation. Yeah, very much. Thanks so much for co-hosting with me today, man. Um, so I'm hitting that early on. So if you are listening to this episode, then know that some of the things that we want to tackle is the idea of place continuing in the place of uh, uh, of race <clears throat> um, and talking about wellness in this justice era on both sides of that coin. So knowing that that's part of us being a global citizen, that's part of that collective burden that I believe that we should have as believers. Um, but also knowing that that burden disproportionately affects people of color and people who are in that fight. And so there's got to be an answer when it comes to pursuit of wellness where you live, you know, the suburbs versus the city. Oh, this is my mind. Is, yeah, this is going to be good. So second part, <laughs> yeah. we're going to tackle a lot of those things. Um, so hopefully you guys enjoyed um, our first part. Thanks so much for joining us, Steve. Appreciate Thank you, you. Really appreciate it. All right. We'll see you next time. Uh, for those listening, you know the drill. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, at Tesseride Podcast. 
and we look forward to hearing you uh, or hearing from you 